This audio is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton, originally airing on SiriusXM. This segment is brought to you by the Zuckerberg Institute. This is Randy Zuckerberg Means Business on Business Radio. Hi, everyone. Randy Zuckerberg here. I'm so excited this week to be talking about one of my favorite topics, the future of food. Of course, the pandemic has impacted all of us in some fashion. The food industry and restaurants have been dealt an especially heavy blow during this time. To start off our show, I'm thrilled to welcome the renowned chef of my favorite restaurant in the entire world. I'm just going to say that like it is. Blue Hill and Blue Hill Stone Barns, one of Time Magazine's 100 Most Influential People and recipient of multiple James Beard Awards, Chef Dan Barber. Dan, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Uh, nice to I, uh, know we're, we're on the top of your list. You are. I have celebrated, I think it, it's at least three like momentous life occasions at, at Stone Barn. So I oh, thank great. you for, uh, for always an incredible meal and experience. Thank you. Uh, so Dan, ta- what have the past few months been like for you? Uh, well, uh, you know, it's been the rug pulled out from under us starting on March 13th. Uh, we closed the restaurant and uh, we um, relaunched as uh, resourced a nonprofit um, collaboration between Blue Hill and the Stone Barn Center, which is the farm and education center attached to Blue Hill at Stone Barns. And we started a, a box uh, program for pickup. Um, that was based on, re- at first, really just starting to clear out our walk-ins and our pantry shelves so that we didn't waste any food and we would take the experience that people had reservations, would come and basically pick up a tasting menu in a box. And what I learned mm-hmm. very soon after uh, launching this was that uh, there were suppliers, a, a large group of suppliers, that called and were very clear that if we weren't buying from them, they were going to very quickly be in a perilous situation. And that that was a wake-up call to me. And I I'm, I'm, want to say I'm a bit embarrassed that it was such a wake-up call because, I, I, of course, I knew that, that farmers and the network are very important to us. And, of course, we support local, mostly organic farms in, in a strong way. But I didn't understand the depth of, of what our support meant. And so we, we expanded the box program greatly to bring under the tent these large group of farms. Now, now it's up to 20 plus farms. Uh, but at the beginning, was, it was the dozen or so that we were bringing into the tent, creating a box program that was supporting them and at the same time supporting what was left of our staff. Uh, and that's how we launch resources. It continues to this day. We, we have a box program running five days a week uh, for pickup at Blue Hill Stone Barns and pickup in New York uh, City. And resource as a non-for-profit is also an educational part of this that um, that is uh, uh, talking about these farms and about where our food comes from and how it's grown and who's growing it for us to bring a consciousness uh, to the table about the perilous state of these farms, these small independent farms during COVID. Um, That's the work we're doing now, and we are waiting for the green light to reopen the restaurant. 
Wow. It's uh, it's pretty amazing. Maybe if you can just backtrack a, a moment and just talk to us a little bit about what farm to table looks like. I mean, you really pioneered that. And, and I, I, I'd love just for our, our listeners who haven't had the experience of dining like I have to, to understand what makes the experience so special. Well, I'm, I'm, as you say, I'm a, I'm farm to table. I mean, I'm, I'm also a table in the middle of a farm. So I'm, <laughs> this is, you know, I really have a skin in the game of this. And I, I want to tell you that I, I've had a kind of, um, well, a wreck. So I think it ranks as a revelation about, um, about farm to table, really, in midst of COVID, which is that had you and I been talking eight months ago, I would have argued, as I've been arguing for many, many years, that farm to table is the alternate food chain, the delicious alternate food chain that we all have been experiencing uh, as the most exciting, really, social movement of the last 20 years. It's buying food directly from a farmer, uh, from local farmers that are producing food in the right way. They're improving the environment. They're, they're giving great nutrient density and, 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 most importantly, deliciousness and pleasure. And, and that's been a, a growing uh, and exciting uh, movement um, that I would have said is the strongest food chain because it's the shortest chain. And what happened during COVID is that even that short, strong chain got snapped almost immediately. You couldn't shake the hand of the farmer that was feeding you because you could get a virus or give the farmer a virus. And these farms that uh, relied on on a certain size and, and a kind of practices that we want for the future of food uh, really became very vulnerable uh, overnight. And that is not something that I could have, anyone could have predicted because we kept arguing that the farm to table food chain is the strongest and most resilient for the future. And that turned out to be quite wrong. And so uh, part of the part of a small part, I am to blame because I championed a lot of these farms that I talked about, and I made sure that they were supplying just me, that I became one of the sole uh, customers because I got greedy for what they were growing and didn't want other chefs uh, to be using on their menus. And I realized in retrospect, I made a, uh, a system of direct connection very unstable. And so that's my my you know, uh, recognition moment. But for all of us, I think there's a bigger lesson here for all of us. Um, and that's that um, the trick that's that the, the part that's missing from farm to table is the food processing angle. We look at farm, when I say farm to table, I think the association in your mind is what happened when you came to this restaurant, the, the, the tomato that's just picked from the field, sliced, drizzled with some olive oil. So it's direct and connected and delicious. And the problem with that is that in a time of COVID, when, when restaurants are shut and people are not clamoring at the farmer's market, it, you have ton of, you have tonnage of, of harvest uh, of vegetables, grains, and meats that um, are not, do not have uh, a, a, ba- a customer base. And we, what happens to that food uh, is, is in the big food chain is it gets processed. And, and, you know, food processing on the farm-to-table idea or ideal is anathema because food processing in the American world, the American understanding of, of food, is you degrade food. You call someone a food processor, calling them, you know, right, I mean, insurance salesman. It's like, ugh, you don't want to be a food processor. <laughs> you want to be a chef who's directly connected to that. But that romanticism is really not 
Correct. And we learned that, I learned that in Stripes in, 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 in during this COVID moment. And so I'm mm-hmm. looking right now, I'm standing in the middle of my kitchen, I'm describing a scene to you. The scene, it looks like this. There's a guy in the corner right now cleaning 1,200 pounds of tilefish that came from a fisherman, a dayboat fisherman that we've been supporting for almost 15 years that would go out of business unless he had us to, to, to buy the tilefish from. Well, we bought 1,200 pounds because that's what he caught uh, on his boat. And how many pounds of fish am I going to sell today in the boxes? Maybe 50. So my, yeah. my, my goal for today and for this week is to preserve that 1,200 pounds. And I have, to, I have to get into food processing. On the other side of the kitchen, doing the same thing with two pigs that came in from two different farmers that we were contracted to buy. They wouldn't have an outlet to sell that pig. And I have two pigs. How much pork am I? I said, well, not, I have two months of pork right now. So I need to do what... Uh, I can to process it and and spread the love of this pig and deliciousness and nutrition over the course of of many weeks and months. Uh, what I'm describing the same thing is happening as I'm looking at at zucchini from the field that we are now preserved. We are fermenting um, uh, because we got probably 500 pounds of zucchini from from this field here. So so what I'm describing to you is really a food processing center. Um, and we're, we are doing what cultures and cuisines have done for thousands of years, which is take the tonnage from the field and make it actually not just preserved, but more nutritious and more delicious by fermentation, by charcuterie, by all these processes that countries, cultures, cuisines figured out long ago to improve the quality of food and make it possible to harvest as much as possible when you can harvest as much as possible. And that is a lesson that, you know, I wasn't included in the farm to table um, uh, a story. And it needs to be, and we really need to change if we're thinking about post-COVID and thinking about a food system as more equitable mm-hmm. and a food system that's more resilient, actually, than farm table. We need to think about food processing in a different way. We need to wrap our minds around uh, celebrating food processing, celebrating it, and doing it in a way that improves the quality and deliciousness of food and not degrading it. So that, I, you know, in some ways, I think that's probably my life's work for the future. Wow. It's, I mean, it's, it's an incredible lesson. I, I really appreciate just, you know, you're coming to the table with, with so much thoughtfulness in it. For anyone just joining us, we're speaking with Dan Barber, renowned chef of New York restaurants Blue Hill, Blue Hill Stone Barns, expert on food waste and author of The Third Plate. Uh, so, Dan, how do you think, you know, uh, hopefully, hopefully we'll move past this soon. Um, what changes do you think you'll permanently make in, in your restaurants? And, and what changes do you think will forever come with our relationship with food and the industry? Yeah, I think in, in in my restaurant, I think I want to be an advocate for uh, for food processing hubs in our region, uh, and that's what's missing. We have a lot of farms, and we have a lot of farmers markets. And I'm not, I don't want to be careful. I'm I'm a huge proponent. I'm a card carrying member of the farmers market, so it's I am a big believer. But I'm also believer that we need uh, uh, infrastructure that takes, I shouldn't be doing what the guy breaking down this fish is doing right now that I'm looking at, or the big guy, or the fermenting of zucchini. It's not, I am a chef. I should not be food processing because I'm inefficient. Uh, and they could be done so much better in a facility that's 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 so much you know that's more apropos to this, and that's what we need, and that is what's missing. So if I want to get the the pig broken down into charcuterie, I have very few options in the big food chain. I can't even get that pig into the big food chain, uh, actually. And and if I want it locally, there's just not enough 
food uh, meat processing to get that done. And so I want to think about a restaurant being a bully pulpit and broadcasting uh, center for for a a new kind of food system that is not reliant on centralization. You don't get your grain harvested and take it to South Dakota to, to, to become flour and then ship to every corner of, of the country and the earth. No, you, you grow the wheat locally and you mill it locally and you bag it locally. And that, that sounds like a shaker fantasy. It's not. It's actually a very smart and, and, and yes, inefficient way to look at, say, grain, and I would say the same thing for that pig or the fish, but it is, it is the, the wave, it is what needs to be done for the future to uh, uh, preserve the kind of farmers and the kind of farming that we desperately need for our environment. I just want to add one other thing, and I'm sorry to gas on for so long, but really the No, it's takeaway, very interesting. The biggest takeaway for COVID, and, and the story is starting to be told, and I think it, 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 it in, you know, in time will be the takeaway, is that COVID is a diet-related disease. COVID is an underlying condition disease, and if you look at the underlying conditions, and now I'm saying 100%, I want to be careful. There's so many stories of people who are 35-year-old triathletes who succumb to COVID for reasons that are not well understood. But overwhelmingly, COVID is is a, is a, is a underlying condition. And when you look at the underlying conditions, hypertension, diabetes, and obesity are 92% of, of the, the underlying conditions, 92%. Well, hypertension, diabetes, and obesity are all diet-related. And so what, what I think will come out of this, and I think unconsciously we already know it, we see the connection between food and not eating right and our health. We've, we have before, long before COVID. I think we see it in a, in a strikingly um, uh, important way now because of COVID. But, but I think the, the, the long-term lesson is that we are crippling ourselves uh, as a nation um, with our food system, absolutely crippling ourselves. And and what we need is really to support that, what I said, the right kind of farmers and the right kind of farming. The irony, and it's not a nice one, is that those are the ones that are actually in the most perilous shape right now uh, based on COVID, based on the failure of farm to table as a resilient food system. And so we need to change the calculus. We need to bring in this very unsexy, very complicated term food processing and make it uh, uh, make it as exciting uh, as it should be, and so I, I that I I would like to devote my my life's work to, and I would like to also pursue this nutrient this this nutrient density slash food as medicine angle, because my my takeaway from my life's work is that the connection the correspondence between deliciousness and nutrient density is one and the same thing. Every time we test, every time we lock into vegetables and farmers that we love and want and support just because we, we are, are devoted to what they're delivering because of flavor, we see the connection between really good soil, really good farming conditions, and nutrient density. They're one and the same thing. Flavonoids are, are, are nutrition, it's also flavor. And so this is a, a, a thing that I think we will, you know, Americans, we talk about our lives. I just, I just skewered American food culture with food processing and everyone, it's easy to skewer American food. You know what? One thing about Americans that's good is we're greedy and we're willing to pay more for things that give us pleasure. And if we can, if we can make that correspondence between well, food processing or just food in general, pleasure and, and, and the pursuit of it because it's healthy for us and, it's, and to get that true flavor and that true 
pleasure derivative. We need the right kind of farming. If we can, if we can inculcate that into the everyday food culture and mores and traditions uh, around this country, we will be a much stronger country and I think a much happier country. So that, that is what I would like to shift as a little bit of what I've been doing pre-COVID. I would like to dig into that in a much deeper way. I, I truly appreciate that. Dan, in our final moments together, what can consumers out there who are listening and, and hearing this, what can what are little things that we can be doing to su- be supporting local farms and, and restaurants right now? I love what Michael Pollan said uh, many years ago. You vote with your fork, and you actually have an opportunity to vote three times a day. And if you think about our, our electoral system and how few times you get to vote for the kind of um, you know, a political system or a kind of you know system that you want. It's very rare, but in food, it's not. Uh, you have real power, and and to do that is going to take extra effort. It's going to take more money. There's no question about it. Um, and what we have right now is an an equitable uh, uh, local food system because the price, the transaction cost of growing this food locally and processing, as I said, bringing it to you is just frightfully expensive. And we need you know, to advocate for, uh, hold our politicians accountable for helping uh, create uh, barriers to entry for these farmers and, and uh, decrease the, the cost and create access to food that is crippling uh, disenfranchised uh, communities, which we're seeing over and over and again, the connection to COVID. So I would vote with your fork, but also vote in the ballot box too, because these politicians are paying more attention to people who are paying more attention to it. I think coming out of COVID, there's going to be a real recognition that policies need to change and we need to have better access uh, to good food and good nutrition. Thank you so much. Dan Barber, where can people go to learn more about you and to follow your journey as you become an advocate for food processing infrastructure across <laughs> America? You. Yeah, well, I have an Instagram account. I'm, I'm sort of posting a lot about this. Uh, uh, so I am on Instagram, social media, Twitter. But, I, but you know, we do have a website, r- website resourced ny.com. Um, and then there's always Blue Hill um, Farm. Dot com, uh, and there's lots of information and places to go on all those channels. Excellent. Well, I truly, truly hope to be back in that restaurant soon. Uh, Thank you. I enjoying your wait. delicious cuisine. <laughs> Thank you Thanks so much. much. Thank you. Uh, Thanks for joining us. Stay safe. Uh, We were just speaking with Chef Dan Barber, renowned chef of New York restaurants Blue Hill and Blue Hill Stone Barns. He's been uh, one of Time Magazine's 100 Most Influential People, recipient of multiple awards, and an expert on food waste. For more guest interviews, check out our Wharton Business Radio Highlights podcast on iTunes and Google Play. 